Hello, everyone. You're listening to Elisa Unfiltered Living Life Out Loud, the podcast. My name is Elisa curry and I am here today speaking from the heart to inspire and motivate you to be your best self. There is so much more to life than the nine to five daily grind, and I want to share all of my secrets with you. So let's get started. Today, I have a very special guest on the show. Her name is Leah Brathwaite. Leah is a friend of mine. She is also a certified yoga and meditation teacher, a speaker, a soul advisor, and her most recent accomplishment slash title is author. She is here today to talk about her newly published book titled A New Way of Life. Now, I read the book. I loved it, by the way as it simply and eloquently explains her beliefs on making the connection to the truest parts of our soul and is literally a guide to inspire and empower you to your highest potential. Leah is a beautiful soul herself who has transformed her own relationship to herself and the world around her. And I'm thrilled to share her story with you all today. Okay, let's do this. Here we go. And we are rolling. Hello, Leah. How are you today? (laughs) I'm so awesome. How are you? I'm great. Well, thank you so much for joining me. You're in Toronto right now and uh, we're on Skype and I brought you onto the show because you have just recently written a book. Okay. The book is titled A New Way of Life. A guide for transformation from living a lie to freeing your soul. Sorry, I said that. I said that with a stutter. Living a lie. I did. It's hard to look at it. It's hard to admit sometimes. Yeah, I was actually like, do I write this in the title? But it seemed authentic. So yeah, I I love it. Um, I'm holding a copy of the book here. I read it. I read it last night and this morning. It's a, it's a fascinating book that I completely, you know, as I was reading the pages, I was like, we have so much in common. It's, it's crazy. Um, so just before we kind of get into this, I just want to let everybody know you and I have kind of met in a direct, indirect way through, I think, the pure yoga community of some sort. Mm-hmm. Is that yeah. would you say? Would you say so? It, the yoga community in general, I think. Right. But, um, yeah, definitely through yoga. It was the thing that brought us together. It was actually like the mala bean business that I had. Yes. I think that's what started it. it absolutely. So we did an Instagram consultation like probably two years ago. At Pure oh Kitchen, gosh, longer than that, I think. You, was but, it? Okay, yeah. it might have been like three years or two and a half, three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It yeah, was a while back. I was trying was. to think of that, and you gave me this mala as a return. I still mm-hmm. wear it. Um, you can see this. The viewers oh can't, but I'm showing you. I literally, <laughs> I've been wearing it for like two, like this whole time. It's like my favorite thing. I love it so much. Anyways, so uh, it's starting to get old, and like the elastic has like so much slack in it, but <laughs> like, it's really stretchy. I don't remember making it that big, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, it's getting bigger. Um, so it. yeah. And at that time of your life, you were, like you said, um, um, the, a business owner of free soul malas. I think we're going to get into that a little bit more, but a, a lot has happened since yeah. that, that time. <laughs> Yes. And sometimes when I look back, I'm like, holy shit. Oh, <laughs> should have 
swearing situation. Oh, no. Um, oh, this is an open conversation. We can. Okay, awesome. <laughs> um, yeah, definitely. So much has happened, like, in even in the last year. It's been wild. But um, I think that's kind of the premise of the book of when you really start to connect to a true part of your soul um, and an authentic place. Your life literally just takes off in a really cool direction. So I'm pretty excited to talk about it. Yeah, so let's get into this because... Um, at the beginning of the book, so one of the things that's really, I'm really passionate about at the moment, or that's really like, I don't know, at the forefront of my being on this earth is to, um, sort of separate myself from the, the ego and the being of, of who we are. And I love the way this book starts. Um, the first chapter is titled believing a lie um and you just like you straight up state this this was like this impacted this little sentence impacted me a lot it was like it was goes like this um and this is on page 16 you say i think of the ego as the as the construct of layers of polarity the way our minds build protection around our souls in an effort to keep us safe and avoiding feeling pain Mm-hmm. Shit, I didn't even realize I wrote that. Like, yeah, doesn't that <laughs> just sound so like that is exactly it's a construct of layers. So I want you to kind of speak to that because there is there's so much just to get this this topic going. Mm-hmm. There's so much in that believing a lie, right? So totally. what does that mean? Yeah. So and that's why I put it into the title because I think so many of us are walking around thinking that we're something that we're not, mm-hmm. thinking that we're um, some of the things that we picked up along the way. So when we come into the world as babies, and I write about this in the first chapter too, mm-hmm. we are perfect. Like we have everything we need, except we don't know how to sustain ourselves, and so we depend on our parents, our caregivers, to be the ones who like help us to survive until we're old enough to do that. Mm -hmm. But as we learn to be a person, like a people, a part of a family or a part of a society, we start to pick up the beliefs of the people that are around us. And we start to internalize things that we don't actually always understand. So for example, um, a small child who wants to show their father something really exciting to them um, will go and and try to like get their father's attention and perhaps the father is like doing something on the computer or doing some kind of work isn't under a lot of stress and doesn't have time or doesn't recognize how important this moment is to that little kid and so just by not providing the amount of attention that this child wants to like express themselves or to share something mm-hmm. there's an internalized belief that starts of like I'm not important enough to pay attention to or something else has more value than me because I can't get what I need in this moment and that's how we start to build these layers it doesn't have to necessarily be a massive trauma mm-hmm. it could just be a moment in time that we needed something and didn't understand or wanted something and didn't get it and then we create this whole story or this lie around our value, our worth, and our ability to achieve or get our needs met. Yes, because your value, um, I was writing this the other day somewhere, I can't remember, but your value does not decrease on the inability for someone else to see your worth. Exactly. So, however, we, we start to believe that. Yeah, it's so easy for us as adults to understand that. I mean, after we do some work around it, but as a kid, you're like, oh, well, 
I don't know why this, I don't know what's happening. And then you internalize and say, well, it must mean because I'm not good enough or I'm not worthy enough or all of that, all of that stuff that we kind of um, adopt at a really young age. And then that's kind of the lie that ends up carrying us through our adulthood. And that's when we start to run into problems. Um, when it starts to show up in bigger ways, whether it's like in our relationships, in our job, or just in our ability to kind of create the life we want for ourselves, we find ourselves kind of coming up against this invisible wall that we just don't understand. Yeah. And it's because it started so long ago and we've been carrying it with us for so long. We don't even realize that it's this baggage or this um, wound that needs healing. Yeah, and you give some really great examples within the book, especially in this chapter. There's one, um, you were having a confrontation with your dad, and I'm just going to quote the book again. You say, while I could understand that to him I had done something bad, I felt I was apologizing not because I did something wrong, but because my behavior made him do something wrong. I found that very interesting. And to get affection, I had to accept his behavior and my badness. It's very interesting. The first layers of my ego started forming as I believed the lie that I deserved to be hurt and that I was responsible for others' emotions and reactions. That is, in my opinion, one of the biggest lies that we learn is that we are responsible for other people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's that's a big big lesson that took me very many years to kind of figure out and it shows up in the sense of being a people pleaser and just mm-hmm. kind of putting everybody else's needs ahead of your own thinking. My thought was if I can make everybody around me happy, that will make me happy. Mm-hmm. And it completely negated any of my desires, any of my needs, any of my emotional um, needs that needed to be met for the sake of making sure that everybody else was happy just because I had associated making other people happy with getting affection. So it created this whole um, unstable relationship building skill in my life of really just catering to everybody outside of myself and then feeling alone even in close relationships because I wasn't actually able to connect with people because my emotional needs were so far down the line that Mm -hmm. I didn't even know what I needed or wanted um, from the people I was closest to. It's so interesting because... So many people today, I, I believe, are are starting to figure this out about themselves. Like we are as a as a whole sort of, I don't want to say like waking up. That's very Oprah Winfrey. Like we're very like we are starting to shift or whatever. I yeah. I mean I will say that, but I, <laughs> um, I just I find it interesting how you come to an age where. Um, I guess maybe the layers are so deep and enthralled and ingrained that you start to shift into saying like, is this right? You just start like questioning. That's like the first mm-hmm. little thing. So your story, just how you got to this place in the fir- in the first place, in the book you talk about um, hiding who we are and where do we want to be? And you went from sort of like an insecure, emotional, I like this word, spiritually bankrupt mm-hmm. uh, person feeling empty inside and afraid to change. So what was it in you that started to question the lie? Well, I think it just goes back to the point you made like just a few seconds ago about mm-hmm. we get to this age where we realize, hold on a second, this mm-hmm. isn't quite right. right. And so in my instance, it usually happens, I, 
I believe it usually happens around like your late twenties, early thirties, sure. thing where you're just like, okay, you realize you've been alive for long enough that you kind of know the ins and outs of life. Like you have an understanding of what's going on and then you realize, okay, there's not that much time. Like life goes pretty quickly. <laughs> Once you start living for yourself, it's like, yeah, I used to make fun of all those people. Like I was like, oh, old people, and they're always saying time flies, and they just don't know where it all went. And now I'm like, oh, my God, I'm one of those people who just uh-huh. where life is going. That's so but funny. But I got to a point where I was feeling all those things. Like, I was feeling – I had everything I had been working so hard for. I had a few – like, I had a couple homes. I was married. I had the dog. I had, like, the perfect checklist of, like, nice vacations, mm. great wardrobe, all of these things. Because I had strived for that thinking, if I can get those things, then I think I'll finally be able to satisfy this deep longing for meaning or this feeling of like, I know there's something more to life. It's got to be in the next vacation I take because then I'll finally be able to relax. Or it's got to be in the bigger house because I feel like it's too small in this one, even though we had like three bedrooms that were never used. It was this constant feeling of emptiness that I was trying to fill up. And it, it really sometimes just comes in a very simple moment. Like I said, like you don't need a really big trauma as a child to create a belief system that will impact your entire life. Mm-hmm. You also don't need a big moment in your life to raise awareness or to come to a moment of like questioning. Mm-hmm. And so it was really just this moment that I write about where I was standing in the kitchen and I'm putting away my groceries and all of a sudden it was like my soul really woke up and was like, girl, what the hell are you doing? Like, seriously, what the fuck? Yeah. And it was this realization of like, oh my gosh, maybe I'm doing things in a way that isn't the way I'm supposed to be doing it. Maybe this emptiness is trying to tell me something. Ooh, maybe this I love that. constant yes. desire for more is because I'm, I'm, I need to do more. And so it was a moment where I really realized, okay, maybe all of the effort and the intention and the grinding and the hustle that I've been doing into filling my life and to filling other people up and making relationships outside of myself work and pleasing everything, everybody outside and making my life look good. Maybe I need to start putting some of that into myself because I was like, if I have all of these things and I'm not happy, there's a disconnect and I needed to figure it out because I was like, Oh my God, I'm approaching 30, my eggs, like all of these things that we <laughs> worry about as women. Like it felt like time was running out uh-huh. and it also felt like I, I just cannot live another year like this. Like I just can't keep continuing down this path of working so hard to get something, getting it and then realizing this is it. Like mm-hmm. ugh, I thought it would feel different or I thought like it would make me happy. Um, so it was in that moment where I finally decided to do something about it. And to be perfectly honest, I've had a few of those moments before. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. I know that's interesting because I wanted to actually talk to you about that. It's like, for me, one of the common things that I, I believe we have, well, our, we share is, uh, is that, moment of, I had the exact same moment. I looked at myself in the mirror one morning, lazy eyed coming out of bed. And I looked at myself and I was like, Elisa, what the fuck are you doing? Like, that's exactly what I said. And that was my wake up call, if you will. Like I didn't know anything else beyond that. I just knew that that came from some place that I finally heard it. 
So, so, okay. So just to segue back into what you were saying, you, you, you believe that you've had those moments before, but what in you this time made you actually listen to that um, or helped you well, listen or see? I did a seminar with uh, Tony Robbins recently and he explained it so beautifully. He's like, we can take a lot of shit as humans until we reach like a threshold of pain. Mm-hmm. And then we have this moment that opens up and we either step through into a new way of life or the threshold or that portal that is opened closes. And it's the amount of time we take in deciding whether or not we're going to step forward or not that determines whether or not we walk towards our destiny or we stay put where we are. Interesting. So I've had a few of these moments in the past. Like I, I literally had a panic attack in a grocery store once. And you would think <laughs> that would have been a wake-up call, but the thing that it was asking me to do, I wasn't ready to do it. And this is the thing that I want people mm. to understand. Like you can only really start to make huge changes once you reach that point where you just are ready. You're completely fed up. Mm-hmm. And so when I had this panic attack in a grocery store, I think I had just turned 25 or 24. I was like graduating college and it was in a really pivotal moment in my life where mm-hmm. I was like, all right, well, I just spent all this money and time doing this program. It's not exactly lighting me up, but I know it's going to pay me well. And yeah, maybe I can help people. It was really this moment of like, are you going to settle or are you going <sighs> to do something very uncomfortable and just pivot and go in a completely different direction? And at that point, I was so concerned about what people would think or what it would look like or how am I going to make it work. I had so much fear around doing the thing that I knew in my gut, in my soul was what I really wanted that I just let that portal kind of close. And I was like, nah, I'm just going to go ahead and down this path. And then a few years later, it came up in the kitchen and I was like, all right, like now's the time because I got to do something about this. Loud and clear, loud and clear. So then like, that's why I like the way we, you, you start this book and um, because it talks about the ego, because now this is when you, when you hear that voice, now you can have some separation between that inner spirit, or I'm not sure exactly your truth. You call it your truth. I call and it your soul. Your that's soul. Yeah. It is. And your soul. Part of yourself. Yeah. Yes. And, yeah. and versus the ego, which is the conditioning and the learning and that lie that you're believing. Um, because that's like a very important thing in my opinion for, for this evolution is to understand that there's a difference between like knowledge, like knowing all the things, reading all the books and like knowing, like hearing that other voice, hearing your soul and making that separation. So are you really, I like the way that you, you really connected with me, um, in this chapter and trying to figure out what is your truth and following your gut is, is scary. Oh yeah. (laughs) Following your gut is kind of like a scary thing because it's unknown. However, like I wanted to just, just kind of sneak down the road of uh, one of the, the subtitles in chapter one is called finding love in hopeless places. Um, and then you also talk about buying back into the fear. So where does self-love or love or fear, how does, the, how does that play a role in moving forward with listening to your soul? Um, that's a good question. So in that- It's kind of a big question. Title, it's kind of a big question. <laughs> I got my brain flowing a little bit here. Um, yeah. But in that um, subtitle, I tell the story about the first time I actually experienced love in a way that I didn't have to perform for it. 
Mm. So my entire life up until that point was like, people will love me only for what I can do for them or only if I'm achieving or making them look good or whatever. And then I met this guy who really, I actually didn't want to date him because I wasn't allowed to date at that point. And I was like, if I'm just myself, he's going to dump me in a week and it's going to be fine. And this is how I'm going to get rid of him. (laughs) And then it turned out I was being entirely myself. And that was the thing that kind of hooked him. And I was like, oh, this is, I am a good person. I am worthy of these Mm. things. And so it was this experience of, love for the first time and not just to say that it was um him that did it I think he definitely activated something that was there all along that I just didn't realize so that was the truth underneath the lie of the conditioning that I had experienced so he was reflecting back to me myself essentially saying your true self is good enough like you're fine you don't Mm -hmm. have to pretend you don't have to do all these things that was the first experience of it. And so I think at, at points in our life, we all have an experience of the truth of ourselves, mm-hmm. whether it's doing something you love. Maybe it's like one time when you were skiing and you experienced like this mm-hmm. connection with a part of yourself that felt so alive and so inspired and capable. We all have that living deep inside of us. And it's the work of uncovering that that leads to self-love. Um, Mm. shortly after that, I had an experience that literally shook my world. And then I was afraid that I wasn't able to sustain that for myself. So, um, I think we kind of vacillate and I talk about this in the first, in the the love letter to the reader, basically Mm -hmm. saying, sometimes we have to go from one extreme to another before we find our way back to our center. So I had that one experience of truth and then I had to go all the way to the complete end of being completely lost and really buying back deeply into that lie before I could realize, huh, you know what? There's another way. Like, there's something in the middle that is going to allow me to be myself, live the life that I want, and do all the things that I want without feeling like I have to um, sacrifice myself for it. Does that make sense? Yeah, Absolutely. I really like how in the book too, you explain about how safety is like how you learned, like going all the way back, like safety is following the rules and you kind of like, uh, and the rules keep us safe and small and our egos keep us safe and small. I really like that analogy, like moving back into the f- place of fear and how that like, why it's, I don't know. Do you find it maybe especially when we're younger, maybe not, I don't know. I'm kind of thinking out loud right now is it's easy to stay in the box in the fear box. It's, it's more, it's, I don't know why it's easier to be afraid than to be open and come from a place of love and listen to our soul. Yeah. It's funny. There's a saying, and I don't know who says it, so I don't know who to credit for this and I might screw this up, but, um, it's something like it's, easy to live the hard way and it's hard to live the easy way and when I first heard that I was like what the fuck that doesn't make any sense but I get it now so Mm -hmm. it's easy to live the hard way of being in this lie in this box it is like following these rules that really are suffocating the very nature of your soul which is to expand and to grow and to like be free and to like experience as much as possible it's easy to stay in those confines and live hard which is feeling unsatisfied or feeling like there's always something outside of your reach. 
and it's hard to live the easy way. So we talked about it's it's scary as fuck sometimes to be free and to not have like a box to fit into and to not know exactly what's coming next. But to me, that's what living is. Like if you know exactly what's coming next, that's a plan. That's like predictability. Life is all over the place. You never know where you're going to end up. And even the best laid plans are at the mercy of something bigger than us. Like anything could literally happen. You could meet the man of your dreams walking out the door. You could be hit by a bus walking out the door. Like you can plan as best as you want. Mm -hmm. And I certainly agree that planning to a certain degree is super important. But um, when you are restricting yourself and staying smaller than your potential allows for, or you're sacrificing the expression of who you really are, that's living hard. That to me is like, oh, Right. Do it. Okay. So I'm uh, moving forward in the book. Your second chapter two is titled listen for the whispers. I love that title. Uh, and, and that's kind of the thing, like as we evolve and we start to wake up, we start to hear the whispers, if you will. Um, and this whole book, by the way, everyone who's listening right now, it really helps you. It's like a guide to help you with these whispers and with this feeling inside and how to evolve and how to expand. Um, and one of the, the, the paragraphs that really caught my attention right away in this chapter was, um, you started talking about yoga and your evolution with the practice and how you started incorporating yoga and, uh, you know, busyness versus stillness, that type of that type of direction. And you say, and I quote, I couldn't figure out why I would get so angry holding warrior poses, vicious thoughts coming up and vicious thoughts coming up seemingly out of nowhere. It started as judgment and frustration as the physical challenge made me feel weak. And I beat myself up for being out of shape. But then the anger quickly turned into thoughts of comparison as the super fit yogis around me had no trouble with the poses. Okay, that what caught my, I love this it, for a lot of reasons, but um, what really caught me was when you said the vicious thoughts coming out seemingly out of nowhere. And mm-hmm. that is like a, an indication when you have awareness, oh, these thoughts are coming. Because I do that all the time. I'd cry for no reason. Oh, I'm angry for no reason. However, there is always... A yeah, reason. There is always an underlying reason. So why yeah. why aren't we able to like tap into that? What's your thought on um like what is it that's keeping us in that darkness, in the denial? Uh I really just think it's an association with the the ego essentially. Like mm-hmm. there's um, this moment in time like when we're really young where we decide okay I guess this is what I have to accept to be able to move through the world in a certain way like this is what it means to be a person this is what it means to be in this family or religion or whatever it is and we identify more with our ego than we do with our truth or our soul and it's it's literally just like a hamster wheel that starts to to kind of like carry us forward. We're like, okay, well, I guess then that means that must mean this. And then that must mean this. And we lose the truth of our identity when we, um, create this construct. And it, to me, it seemed like it was seemingly out of nowhere. Cause I'm like, I'm a nice person. I love everybody. I'm so happy all the time. Why am I so angry at this lovely lady trying to teach me some yoga here? And it's because we literally just 
move away from a deeper part of ourselves um, to survive, to check off those boxes, to live within those like confines. We like forget a part of ourselves. And then when that, when we realize how much we've been denying that part of ourselves, it, it starts to bubble up in like weird ways and in weird like outbursts, like trying to get our attention of like, there's something here that you've right. been missing. So this is the lie. This is the lie that we're believing. Yeah, totally. In that separation. I really love how vulnerable you get. Like these are like really true. Did you find it hard to express yourself so vulnerably and so open while writing these? Yes and no. I mean, this is like even like a pulled back version of like the first Mm -hmm. draft was so much came out of it that it was really a healing experience. And when I read it back through the editing process, I was like, oh shit, I wrote this book for myself. Like we teach what we need to learn most. And so the things that I went through in this book and the way I kind of lay it out is exactly what I went through. But had I had this information a little bit sooner, it might not have been such a hard, um, rocky road, but, um, it actually poured out in some instances, um, fairly easily and it was cathartic and it was healing and it was a, a, a process that, um, changed a lot of things. Like it healed relationships in my family with my ex-husband. We kind of all kind of got this beautiful closure coming from it and Mm. this um understanding that even with all the shit that like we went through together and all of the the hard times it's that realization that there's this unity and this love that permeates everything even the hard stuff even the stuff that we don't want to look at there's this love that's underneath it so um yeah it was a hard process to do but it, Mm -hmm. it wasn't um I didn't have to force it to come out, if that makes sense. No, totally. It 100% does. Okay, so you were starting to do yoga. You're starting to meditate. Um, As I was reading this part, I was like, oh my God. I resisted meditation so hardcore for so many years. I, yeah, my spiritual guide, she told me that it's because I... I'm afraid of what I might find out about myself. A hundred percent. And I was like, yes. uh-huh, uh-huh, okay. And I'm like embracing it a little bit more now. I'm one of those people that was like, I did yoga for years, but I was very resistant to the meditation portion. Um, so into chapter three, it's titled Intention is Key. Intention is key. So you say right off the bat, without realizing it, I had set an intention by acknowledging my desire to know more about yoga and meditation and how I could better understand my mind and myself. I love that. I love that. Like setting an intention to, to know more. And I don't know about you, but sometimes that's scary for people to do setting intentions because they think they need to go from like, one to a thousand in yeah. one day. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. Sh- what kind of, what did, how did this represent in what, in your practice, like your day to day practice? What did that look like? Well, to be honest, like at first I didn't even know that that's what I had done, that I had sent an intention. I was really just <laughs> like, okay, this is a thing and it feels like there's something in it. So I'm going to like, I want to know more. And that's as simple as an intention needs to be. I think sometimes, um, especially with like, within the spiritual community and don't get me wrong I definitely do all these things where I mm-hmm. light shit on fire and I have my crystals and I really mm-hmm. get clear and and decisive about my intentions but an intention can simply be a willingness to explore something 
It doesn't need to be this like hard, fast line. Um, so just being open to another way of doing things. And I mean, the more, um, concrete and the more intentional you get with your intention setting, the more powerful the results are. Um, but yeah, you don't need to make, like, you don't need to blow up your life and like, right. (laughs) Move to a new city and do all the things that I have recently done. (laughs) It's very like gradual progression and, and it's totally normal to be afraid the entire time. Like I write about it often in this book. Like I was scared a lot because you're stepping into this new territory. And like you mentioned with meditation, the deeper you start to dig in yourself, the more you're like, Ooh, I might find something that I don't actually like, or that I don't actually, what if it's true that I'm not worthy or what if it's true that, right. um, I, whatever lie or belief that you have kind of permeating your existence or your experiences is actually true. So yeah, it's very like, it's a gradual progression and that's what this book does. It kind of helps you go from like baby step to baby step and Mm -hmm. then taking bigger steps and then at the end living free. But I do think it's really cool that you sort of, like you said, without realizing it, um, you set an intention. It's almost like an unconscious manifestation. Like we're constantly manifesting what's happening in our lives, whether we are aware of it or not. So with yours, it kind of started unconsciously and then you kind of woke up to it and followed that. It's okay. F- you just said it perfectly. Oh, yeah. cool. Okay. <laughs> so perfect. It's like, you're yeah. constant, like your intention is kind of happening, whether or not you're aware of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're manifesting your experience, whether or not you're aware of it. As soon as you become aware of it and really focus that intention, that's when shit gets real and you can actually start to make things happen in alignment with what you actually want instead of just being like, I don't know why I keep ending up in the I don't same know. place. Okay, <laughs> I've been hearing that a lot. So one of my best friends, she just went through like this trauma and we were talking about um, why is this happening to me? This always seems to happen. And I kind of just like asked her, what are your thoughts on a day-to-day basis? Like what are you putting out there? Are you aware of the story? Because that's the manifesting Like oftentimes we're only aware when we're going through a crisis of some sort, or that's like, for me, that's that's, your attention. That's when it like, seems like, Oh, something's happening. Yes. So like, what are the, the day to day normal moments? What, what's the story there? What does that look like? So I really, I liked how you were able to like tap into, I think so many people are doing that and then they just don't know what to do with that information. Exactly. Yeah. So, okay. Um, validating your feelings. So what do you do with that feeling? Cause oftentimes that intuition or the soul speaks in few words. You mentioned this a lot in the book, which I, t- it totally resonates with me because my intuition is brief, very like it's a oh, yeah. yes or a no, yeah. um, or a feeling like that gut feeling. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes we feel like that gut feeling don't walk down there or don't go over to that party or whatever and that feeling inside. Um, so validate your feelings. Really cool. I'm just going to flip. It's on page 76. Worthiness. This is this is the, the fear of my life. Okay. Uh, it's my fear yeah. of unworthiness. Yeah. <laughs> it's the story that I tell the most. Um, <laughs> 
plague of mankind, to be honest. I I believe it. Um, Okay, so I really like the way you phrased this. I'm going to read it. Page 76. Uh, It says, I was able to see just, oh, excuse me, with the support of my therapist, loved that you included that this was realized with help. I'm with you, sister. I have like several therapists on the roster. (laughs) done by myself oh yeah support and coaches and mentors and therapists for sure yeah okay great okay so with the support of my therapist I was able to see just how much I had invalidated myself what I needed and what I wanted I had been making everyone else more important in the hopes of feeling worthy if I could make them feel good enough do what they want excuse me if I can make them feel good enough do what they wanted enough or fulfill some need of theirs enough, then somehow maybe I would be worthy. <gasps> yeah. I read that and I was just like, of my life. I read that like 14 times. And then I look, I look, I highlighted, oh I God. highlighted it. I was like, this is so me. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah that was me for sure. Okay. Um, so speak to that a little bit. Like, so how, did you come to the realization that you, that worthiness is the story? Um, that was literally like a light bulb moment in mm-hmm. my therapy session because okay, cool. I was just like, I just don't know what, I don't, I don't know what's wrong. Like, I don't know what, <laughs> I don't know what the problem is. And, um, I can't remember exactly what it was. I loved her because she was, I only saw her for a short amount of time, but mm-hmm. each time she would just ask a question that would make me like, like my head would explode and I think she might have even said something simple like well what do you want and I was like well, what do you mean what I, I what do I want I'm like mm-hmm. I would think of what I wanted in terms of how that would affect somebody else and whether or not it would be what they wanted so one of the very basic baby steps was understanding or like even recognizing first of all that what I wanted mattered just as much yeah if not more in my own experience and that, um, it was valid and that I could do something about it. And, but I think sometimes when we're asked like, what do you really want? Like, especially as women who are like, we want to make everybody happy and take care of the world and like love on everything. It's hard to even figure out what you want. And so that was the beginning of it. And like, it really comes down to, asking yourself and getting to know yourself. What are your needs? What are, um, what is important to you? What are your desires? And I was so disconnected from what I actually wanted. I had been buying so much into what I should want or what society says you need, um, that I had no idea. I was like, I don't know what I need. I don't know what I want. That was like a moment where I was like, Oh my God, I have some work to do. (laughs) Okay. I mean, like, were you the type of person that if like your ex-husband said, where do you want to go for dinner? You'd be like, whatever you want. Like, I don't know. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Do. Yeah. yeah. It, it, nothing mattered. It was like, oh, let's just do whatever. It was right. very rare that I was like, no, I want to do this. You were clear. Then, it was cl- It was never clear that this is what you wanted. Yes. Unless mm-hmm. it was something really big, like small decisions I couldn't make, like to save my life. I uh-huh. would sit at a restaurant for like 45 minutes staring at the menu being like, I just can't make a decision. Uh-huh. Um, big things though, I was good at. Like we're buying this house, we're doing this thing. Yeah. Because on the other side of that, I had this super 
need for control because I felt like my life was so out of control because Mm. nothing that I actually wanted was being fulfilled. Like none of my really deep desires or needs were being met. So I was like, I'm going to micromanage and control all of the other things that I can do without looking at the stuff that I really do need to be looking at. Oh, that's so good. That's really good. Uh, that kind of segues into chapter five, which is to elevate your standards. Um, <clears throat> avoidance. We talk, or I always say we talk. Um, <laughs> we are talking about avoidance. Um, and what does this do? And the power uh, to choose and choosing, this is your words, choosing to move closer to yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh Speak to me a little bit about that as we're moving into this like worthiness, we're figuring out that, um, you know, we don't necessarily know what we want. And you also talk a lot about letting go of what you don't want as, mm-hmm. as a step to figuring out what you actually do want. So yeah. elevating your standards. Um, talk to me about that. Uh, this is kind of a life-changing um, concept called boundaries. I never know what those were. <laughs> Interesting. No <laughs> um, I didn't realize that it was a practice that needed to be done. I was just like, everything that I have is everybody else's. And like I had very codependent tendencies because I thought that my value and my worth came from other people. And I also thought that I needed to constantly be in contact with certain people because I needed to fulfill their needs to feel some kind of fulfillment for myself. Mm. Um, so elevating your standards, this chapter is really about, um, recognizing while yes, we are all one in the grand scheme of things, you are a separate entity that has like your own shit to take care of. That means that your values and your, um, desires are something that you need to choose to look after because nobody else will do that for you. Mm -hmm. And so it's really about kind of drawing a bit of a line in the sand as to what's acceptable and what's not acceptable and choosing the things that are good for you and then choosing the things that are like elevating you. Once you realize like, these are my needs and desires. Now, how do I go after them? Mm -hmm. It's by elevating your standards and creating a new set of, um, values for yourself that are going to be drivers instead of the unworthiness and the fear of rejection or whatever it is. Instead of those, you choose to value something higher than that in elevation of that standard. And then you move towards that. And that kind of begins to direct your life in a different direction. Yes. Like we're adults here. We're adults now. We can make our own choices. We don't have to keep believing that little kid inside or whatever the lesson is. I I love that. Like elevating your standards. What a concept changing your vibration. What a concept, Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. so interesting. And like, I believe you say this in the book and I say this often as well. This is an interesting term that we as humans throw around easier said than done. So I have like, I have like a contradicting sort of, um, thing about like um, feeling about this because we say this all the time and fear is resistance, right? So it is, that's the fear is what's coming in. That's saying that, um, however, when we take it, like we spoke earlier, small steps, Mm -hmm. the baby steps, it's actually not that hard. 
Yeah. It's, it's, it's one minute a day to find that mm-hmm. stillness or one, right? Like, is that, yeah. would you say that's kind of how it started for you? Totally. And I think that saying is like, you can kind of look at it in two ways. You can use it as an excuse or you can use it as motivation to be like, all right, this shit's going to be hard. I'm going to just do it. Right. Like, dig in and like dig choose in. to do it anyways. Otherwise, like, you can be like, oh, easier said than done. So I guess there's nothing I can do about it. And that's what that chapter is really about. It's like your power to choose mm-hmm. whether or not you're going to step up or whether or not you're going to stay where you are. And understanding that everything is a choice. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's not like you go to the gym and all of a sudden pick up the hundred pound weights and like think I'm going to get in shape and yes. do it that way. Like yes. you start small, like a minute a day. And that's the first practice that I teach in I think chapter one or whatever, like at the beginning of the book, like it takes one minute for you to just come into a moment of stillness. And it's those incremental small moment to moment decisions and choices that you make that make a huge impact. Like yes. in math, when you had to draw on that graph paper and if you like, like you make one point here and then the other one just slightly to the right of it, it will completely change the trajectory of like the line or the graph or whatever you're drawing. <laughs> it's just a small thing that starts in the beginning that can lead to these massive changes later on. Yeah. And you touched, you just touched on this. One of uh, the things I like about this book is after all of these chapters, this is for listeners, there are some, you know, uh, work workbooks, there's some meditations, there's um, some things for you to put into practice on how to have some self realizations. I love that they're all very, very well done. It's it's, it's awesome. <laughs> so <clears throat> what do I have here? Intuition. We're going to skip over a little bit. Um, <clears throat> not to, actually, I don't want to skip over this chapter. <clears throat> Excuse me, chapter six, it is a big chapter. It's probably the biggest one for me um, is the forgiving yourself. So this is a phase uh, in my growth or in my life that I come back to more often than not. Like it's the forgiveness that uh, sort of controls. And on page 109, you say, or excuse me, you have in your book, this is an Oprah quote. I love this is forgiveness is giving up the hope that the past could have been any different. Oprah Winfrey. Can you speak to me about that and how that's incorporated into the book here? First, like two things. I love how you're like, yeah, let's just skip over it. Then you're like, ah, fuck, no, we did a big one. <laughs> no, it is a big one. I like, I, the way I had my like sheets laid out, I like all of a sudden got excited about intuition. And then I was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> this is a big one. And it's funny that you do that because I run, um, I have a program called the Live Free Lifestyle where I literally take people through this entire process. Okay, cool. And we do it together. And this chapter, like this lesson, is the one where it's like everything flies off the rails and people are like, I don't want to do this. This is too I don't hard. Wanna... Like, yes. It's so uncomfortable. And blah. Um, and it, this was actually really difficult for me as well. Like okay. there's like surface level forgiveness where I was at for a really long time. I think it's super easy to spiritually bypass and be like, yeah, oh, it's fine. Like you just don't really dig deep into like the actual hurt and lesson. But once you go into those really hurty bits or, um, confront the people that have really done, um, I guess, I don't want to say damage, but who have really impacted you in probably not a positive way Mm -hmm. and you can transmute that into a beautiful lesson and you can look at it in a way where you're actually almost grateful for that thing happening because it brought you 
clarity, it brought you strength, whatever gift you got from it, that is true power. And that is, Mm. I think, an integral step in being able to unlock the other things. And so a little secret about this book is that it really walks you through unblocking the energetic parts of your of your chakra system, like the energetic parts of your soul as well. So right here in the forgiveness area, we're working with our heart. And I talk about it in this chapter, your heart is the most powerful thing in your body. Like it has far more energy being emitted than even your brain. And so once you clear the space of that, then it opens up this whole other ability to connect on a deeper level, more meaning in your life, um, more authentic and connective relationships, and most of all, a really deep connection with yourself once you start to realize, like, you forgive yourself for all of these things, for all of the hard, for for all of the resentments that you've harbored. Um, It's a really powerful and and super transformative chapter. It's very hard, and the practice is challenging, but um, the benefits of it are, I mean, it starts your superpowers for sure. Is one of the things is like that I found I find the hardest about forgiveness is the that forgiveness is not about the other person or the yeah. thing that happened. Yeah. It is it is like you say about empowering yourself and letting go and healing mm-hmm. because like <clears throat> holding on, talking about that small little box that we talked about at the beginning, holding on is easier for some reason. Like some, some days the answers are super clear and other days they're not like some things are easy to forgive and Mm -hmm. really let go and move on. But some things like I just want to hold on like the worthiness thing. Yes. As I continue to do this work, the layers are kind of peeling away and I'm, I'm discovering new wounds. If you want to call them that within (laughs) myself that I'm letting go of, but it's just like, why why do we want to forgive? Let's talk about this a little bit. Cause like, uh, I don't know to accept is to accept what happened or what is, is to forgive in a lot of ways, in my opinion. But like, why do I want to accept something that's negative? <laughs> like, I think the other, the flip side of that, or the way I kind of look at it is why often we don't want to. And I think sometimes I know for myself, I identified with my pain and my, um, I write about it a little bit. I was, I lost my career due to a neurological, um, injury, whatever you want to call it, a nerve, a nerve damage essentially. And I wanted to hold on to that identity for so long. I think sometimes we wrap our identity in our stories of pain or we wrap ourselves in this unworthiness because it keeps us safe because we know who we are in this space. Yes. Say I was worthy or say I wasn't disabled or say anything was possible. That means I have to step up to look at that shit. Otherwise I'm living beyond my potential and I know it. So if you're able to hold on to something, um, that keeps you small, which is often what these wounds are, you don't have to step up. You can just say, well, I mean, I, I couldn't do it because this, and that's yep. like a beautiful yep. excuse. So I yep. wasn't worthy or like, I just, it was too hard to do or whatever. Um, it serves as an excuse to kind of keep us in a limited space to keep us within the confines of a safe experience or a safe knowing or a safe identity that we have. As soon as you acknowledge, okay, that thing that happened, that wasn't my fault. Um, I 
learned from it, you have a choice and you're like, now what am I going to do about it? And once that's kind of taken away, you're like, you have to move forward into something else. Like you have this whole other space that opens up and that can be terrifying. Mm -hmm. It's the point where your whole life starts to expand because you've let go of something that's been like literally dragging you down. And then it's like, oh my God, who do I have to become now? Or who am I now? And it's really this other layer of like, yeah, getting to know yourself. And like, it's, it's like you're standing like on a cliff, like ready to dive in. And it's like, okay, now I don't have anything holding me back. And getting to know yourself a little bit better, forgiving and letting go is, is liberating in so many ways. Like when I have these moments of liberation and forgiveness, I'm just like, this is living. Yeah. <laughs> this feels so good. It feels good. Why was, why did I give a shit? Why did I give a shit about that? Exactly. <clears throat> but I guess there is that readiness when we're ready, 100%. it will come. It's not something that you can rush through, but even just a willingness, like, and there's some things that I'm still like, I'm working on that forgiveness part. Like, it's not Mm -hmm. like this magical thing. I wave a fairy wand and everything's forgiven. (laughs) It's like, no, you got to work through that shit. And sometimes you just have to be like, let yourself off the hook. If you can't forgive something, forgive yourself for not being able to forgive and just say, I'm willing to eventually let this go right now. I'm not in that place. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to forgive myself until I get there. Hmm. Awesome. Yeah. Beautiful. Okay. Exploring the possibilities on page 145, you talk about intuition mm-hmm. um, and you start the chapter straight away. I'm going to read this. I also highlighted this. I thought that was, <laughs> this was great. It was, um, I'd come to a place of understanding who I was, what I wanted and where I was going as I did what were only whispers started to become a reliable voice that I could turn to and be directed by. To define that voice more clearly, intuition is essentially the ability ability to understand something immediately without the need for conscious reasoning. Ooh, talk to me about that. I like that a lot. Um, so I think it takes a while to build up to that though. Like I, when I first started like reading spiritual books, I was like, I want intuition. I I want my intuition. The thing is, (laughs) it's always there, but we have so much blocking it that it takes a while until you can get to that place. And so going through these steps, like the sequential, um, method of like living free right now, we are at our point of intuition where, we've cleared enough of the stuff that's been holding us back so that we can actually hear the voice of our soul speaking through our intuition. Yeah. So your intuition was that when you were putting groceries away, you were like, what the fuck? Yeah. Yeah. That was was how it started. It comes in like in little bursts because there's not enough space in between our thoughts to like get it. There's so much other crap going on. But as soon as you start to clear that mental chatter and those lies and those like old belief systems and patterns, it emerges in a way that, um, you can trust it more. Like it's been speaking all the time, but it's just, you don't really recognize that that's what it is. And so you don't trust it. So Mm -hmm. when you have that little gut feeling of like, I should call this person or I should do this thing, or I need to break up with this person, or I need to say no, it often doesn't look like the thing that you should be doing. Like, it doesn't make sense. You're like, I don't know why I'm doing this, but it just, something feels right. And so it takes a while to be able to trust that, but that is the voice of your soul literally guiding you, like helping you along your way saying like, this is the thing that you do next. And this is the thing that you do next, or this is the thing that's not in your best 
and highest good. Um, and then, so and then, and then what happens? The need for conscious reasoning. That's the part I really liked about this. It, it, cause who pipes up? The judge, oh, yeah. the victim, the story. Oh, no, you have to go or else this person's going to be mad at you or yeah. else this, you know, you're going to lose. You're not going to yeah. be worthy. What like, a- <laughs> if you choose yourself, then everybody's going to leave you. Or yeah. if you decide that you don't want to go to this party, then you're going to be like left out for the rest of your life and then everything's going to fall Oh, apart. and then your world, yeah, then you're going to be a loser. Exactly. For the rest of your life, there's no coming back. <laughs> It's all of this. So, you know, it's your intuition when you have this sense of like, I should do this. And then all of this other crap comes up behind it. All that old stuff comes and says, well, no, because of this, like if there's reasons kind of denying it or trying to shut it down, then, you know, you're having like a conversation with your ego. So you say on page 150, um, the intuition versus ego is kind of how I categorize this as there is a difference between intuition and fear intuition is the internal voice or feeling that bubbles up from inside it's often stated as fact and while you may feel a sense of expansion in your body it's not an emotional or even rational thought it doesn't come with an explanation as to why it just is if it starts with but or what if it's not your intuition Ooh, separating that what if I yeah I loved that because it really isn't that is your story representing and that took me a long time to learn because sometimes like when I was first starting out like is this my intuition it, it saying well what if I don't do this or what if I do do this that was really just fear like right. your intuition will be like do this or don't do this or like what the fuck or you know yeah. what I mean like yeah. it will be very direct and yeah. it won't really have all this backup explanation. If it's yeah. like, what if, because blah, 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 that's not your intuition. That's like fear kind of trying to drive the bus again. And in the book, you like give ways to like strengthen that intuition. I, I really like how you put um, all your thoughts on this because I, I believe I believe in this. I think strengthening is an actual skill that you can develop within yourself. A hundred percent. It's really cool. And with that, you start to find your purpose. Mm -hmm. And I mean, the, the last chapter here, well, the second to last chapter is embracing the unknown. And you talk about flying blind and you didn't have anything to step into, or at least that's the way you felt in the moment. You were already stepping into something, but you felt as though you didn't. And Mm -hmm. how, how do we embrace, how do we embrace this? Like what, what, what does that look like? Well, I think it goes back to what we've been saying all along. It's not this thing that all of a sudden you just it all like kind of magically happens and you're living free and you don't have any problems. It's a progressive building up to it. And so all the steps that I walk you through in this book, um, get you to a point where you can start to move into a space that isn't inside that little box, like move into your potential and move into the expansiveness of what your life is really meant Mm -hmm. to be in a way that you, um, actually feel in control and you feel confident about because if you just start from like square one like you're like I'm unhappy I know what I'm gonna do I'm gonna blow up my life and go to Bali like that is one way to do it and I mean I'm not 
opposed to that way. I've, I've had a few iterations of that kind of process, sure. but it's hard and not everybody is able to do that. And so once you build your way up to it, um, once you start to clear those emotional blocks, you really connect with your intuition. It's a little bit less scary to start to embrace the unknown. It's a little bit less scary to kind of move towards this greater part of yourself. Yeah. And oftentimes it feels like you don't exactly know where you're going. You're just kind of like moving upward and outward. And it's, I love the analogy of like starting as an acorn and like growing into this mighty oak. Like you're just constantly evolving up towards your greatest, highest potential. Um, and the thing with life is like that depends on the choices that you make. Like you can move into any kind of iteration or expression of yourself that you really want. And that freedom is both liberating and it's also yeah. terrifying. Sure. But once you're really grounded within yourself, once you really know who you are and what you want and how you want to serve in the world, it makes more sense and you're able to kind of move into it with a greater sense of peace. That's so great. It's, I, I, I want to circle back to when you said you could go to Bali and learn all this stuff about yourself. I find that so fascinating. There's a lot of people in my life that some, some people are actually in Bali right now that I know, um, <laughs> <laughs> or that are going on these trips to sort of find themselves. Mm -hmm. Um, and people think that that's the only way to like find yourself yeah. is to like go on this trip or, and, and, you know, people come back from their trips and they come back into their everyday lives and their routines and it, and they forget and they go back to that place of that. It, they go back, right back into their box, mm -hmm. right back into their box. Mm -hmm. So yeah. I, it's like another reason why I love like all your experiences that you've had in your life. You've, you're so, um, you, you're so in tuned with who you are and what's happened and you've like so beautifully represented all the lessons in this like guide. And I think it's like, it's, it's, it's great. It's so well put together. I, I, I think this, everybody should read this book. <laughs> Oh, girl, you are just oh. making me blush over here. Oh. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. <laughs> the the very last chapter is is entitled "Free Soul," which I thought represented a lot more than than yeah. just the words. I loved it. Um, and uh, one of the subtitles is "How to Lose Friends and Influence People." Um, <laughs> I was like, oh, this is like the best thing because things do change, and we yeah. we want to hold on to some of the things, but as we shift as human beings and we, and we put ourselves into, I don't know, a higher vibration, however you want to call it, yeah. things shift and yeah. that's okay. And it's okay to give yourself permission to do that. Like 100%. I said, yeah. And I think it's a sign, like you can look at it two ways, like anything, you can look at it two ways. You can be like, oh my God, I'm like losing friends. But you can also be like, well, these are the, the things that aren't aligned with me and that's why they're mm -hmm. falling away. Like, you, and you're never left on empty. The universe has this beautiful way of filling in the spaces, even though at times you might feel like your hands are empty and you're like, ah, what, yeah. what's going on? Like it fills back in with what's actually meant to be there. And so I had started writing a blog post, um, a couple days ago about the need to create space in your life. Like if your hands are full of shit, you can't like 
hold on to like the gold that's like coming your way. Like if you have things that are not serving you Mm. and you're full up of that, there's no way for any of the good stuff that's really meant for you to come in. And so putting down some, and I'm not trying to say like people are shitty or anything like that. It's just not what's serving you. And it's just Mm. not in your highest and best. So when you can let those things go, and I'm not saying it's like easy to do. It's really hard to move into a new space even when you know it's good for you. Mm-hmm. And then once you kind of level up and you arrive there and you look around and you're like, oh my God, like we, you were saying before, you're like, this is what living feels like. This is mm-hmm. what freedom feels like. This is what life should be like. Then you realize, okay, that was like a necessary thing. And then there's a whole bunch of gratitude and there's a whole bunch of love that goes towards those things that you've let go. Um, and so it's, it, it's a process. And if you're not, if things aren't changing, you're not growing. Like, it's, you're just kind of stagnant. So there's this evolution that occurs and new people will come in, old people leave, you'll reconnect with old people who have done their work or who are ready to meet you on another level. And it's this beautiful dance of coming together and moving apart, but also recognizing like we're all playing roles in each other's lives. We're all teaching each other something with our presence and our absence. Okay, I love that you had the calling to write this book. Um, I think uh, everyone should read it. So how do we get a, get our hands on one of these? Oh, well, you are hitting me right at the point where the print <laughs> version is coming out soon. So okay, right amazing. now it's only available as um, a Kindle edition on Amazon. If you don't have a Kindle, you can just download the free app. But June 1st, it will be available in print You'll be able to have a copy that you can mark up like yours. Yep. Um, available on Amazon, amazon.ca.com, Australia. And it's also going to be, I believe it's June 1st, and this is something that I, like, if you refer back to my social media or on yep. my website, I'll have the actual updates, but it'll also be available on Kobo, which is a Canadian e-reader at Barnes & Nobles, and... There's another one that I just can't think of right now, but you'll be able to get the print and the ebook um, June first. Everything will be you'll be able to get it anywhere. And where can people find you? Where can we connect uh, with you? Because you're just such a bright little soul that I, I I feel as though a lot of people should uh, not should I shouldn't they ought to get to know you a little better. <laughs> you're the best. Um, find me on social media on instagram um at leah.brathwaite i have a website also leahbrathwaite.com um you can find me on facebook and that's leah that's leah l-e-a-h dot b-r-a-t-h-w-a-i-t-e brathwaite yes yes i'm most active on instagram and um my website i guess which is going through a little bit of a transformation so it's going to be oh we're just tra- transforming everything <laughs> you know what? yeah all the things are happening at once it seems like the next two months i'm like ah you know that's just um, the way the cookie crumbles often isn't yeah. it totally 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 it's just all at once and i'm loving it like this time in my life is really the most exciting so and as it should be, I love it. Well, um, thank you so much for joining me today on my show. You are awesome. This was beautiful. Um, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. Well, good luck with everything. And I, I hope to see you soon.
Yes, I'll be in Ottawa in uh, June. So okay, hope to see you then, girl. Thank you so much. This was such a treat. You're the best. Oh, you're the best. Okay, bye. Okay, bye. Oh, wow, that was so fun. I love conversations like that. I could literally talk about this subject forever. Thank you so much, Leah, for coming on the show. If you enjoyed this podcast, please take a screenshot and share it on your IG stories and help spread the word. You can also head over to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and leave a review. Thank you all so much for listening. Have the best day, everybody. Until next time.